All right, welcome everybody to week number three of four for our newcomers orientation. And lesson three begins on page 13. And I, as I've said the previous two weeks, if at any point you have a question, just stop me along the way. Thus far, no one has had any. Don't know what all to attribute that to, but I'll just keep plowing ahead. And uh, if you do have any, let, let me know. Don't feel like you have to make one up just to make me feel better, though, too. And you see at the top of page 13 that today is about being a growing church. And when we mean growing, as you'll see, we're not talking about numerical growth. Although, as I said last week, all things being equal, healthy things grow, and that includes numerical growth. But that's not our objective. Our objective is to be a healthy church, to help people grow spiritually. And what we're talking about here, then, in this lesson, is what we provide to try to help folks do that. So at the top of page 13, we've seen that CBC strives to be intentional in its ministry structure. As seen in Lesson 1, our purpose is to help people learn about God, love Him and others, and live for His purpose. So that is our church's mission statement. That is our purpose statement that we wanted to try to achieve those three objectives. So you'll see learn, love, and live around here in various forms. You can see it in the parking lot. It's on the... Uh, it's on the light poles, on banners out there as well. We're just always trying to keep that in front of people, but that's what we're trying to do. But I say that last sentence of the first paragraph, therefore the various ministries we offer exist to accomplish those biblical objectives. I said last week that, or excuse me, two weeks ago, that if you don't have that purpose and if you don't fit in the ministries that you have to your purpose, then ministries can just grow exponentially and you can just have good things going on but there's no real definition as to why this versus that. If you don't have that then it's just wide open. Any good idea someone comes up with then can become a ministry of the church. So what we have done is tried to structure the church so that our ministries fit into these three objectives. Learning, loving, and living. So this lesson is going to survey some of the opportunities that we have in those three areas starting with the priority, which is people have to learn about learn about God. Everybody have a notebook? I have some additional extra ones over here. All right. Yay. All right, we offer opportunities for learning about God. The Bible is foundational to our ministry. Our motto that's underneath our logo, uh, whenever you see our logo, it has underneath it the family of God built on the Word of God to the glory of God. So our church is built upon the Bible, and we seek to build individual lives on God's Word as well. And here are some of the ways we do that. One is the Discovering God Hour. Now, I talked about that a bit uh, for the adults back in lesson number one when I talked about us being intentional in our mindset and intentional in our structure. And I mentioned that there is rationale for why we start our worship service at 9.30 is first, and then Sunday school is second. I just remind you of that here, that we do that because part of what we, a big part of what we do in this hour, most weeks during the year, is that we use it as an outreach opportunity for our adult class. And we are going to be having an adult, an adult outreach event during this hour class starting on September 19th, so three weeks from today. There are going to be mailers going out the week prior to that to every home in Trenton. So that's what we do. If you live in Trenton, then you'll get, you'll get one of these. And it invites folks to a series. 
And that series is during, you see A there on page 13, Discovering God. So Discovering God does all these different kinds of series. This one's going is called Mistaken Identity, and it's going to deal with what the Bible says about who we are, who we are as human beings, who we are as fallen human beings, and how if we don't get that accurately, then it can cause all kinds of issues for us, both individually, personally, societally as, as well. So skip for a moment some of the other stuff there under A and just look down at the bottom of page 13. Bottom of page 13 where we have examples of the kinds of series that we do during uh, that hour. We're going to be doing mistaken identity, as I say, in three weeks. But here are some of the ones we've done in the past. What's the difference? So mailers go out. What's the difference in examination of the differences between world religions and denominations? You mean the Bible teaches that? That is on the Bible's teaching on ethical issues like uh, abortion, homosexuality, uh, capital punishment, racism, uh, divorce, and so on. Why you can trust the Bible, where the Bible came from, and how it is unique. Meant to Last is a series on marriage, parenting with purpose, obviously on on parenting. We have one called Big Bang or Big God, which is what the Bible teaches about origins, evolution, and and creation. What's the world coming to? Is about end time events, money matters on finances, from self-help to God's help. What the Bible teaches about why we do what we do and how we can change it, how to find meaning in a meaningless world. And that's just a sampling. We've been doing these for years now, and no sooner than five years, usually maybe seven or eight years, we might repeat one of these. Uh, so a few of them have been repeated. The one that will be starting in three weeks will be a new one, a Mistaken Identity. Now, those kinds of things, those topics, come primarily from uh, me working a real job. Now, before I became a pastor, I would say being a pastor is not a real job. Uh, it's a job, and there's plenty to do, but if you're not careful as a pastor, you can find yourself in a sort of ivory tower outside of the real world. And that can isolate you from what's going on in the lives of your people. Uh, so I am very thankful that I spent 20 years actually working a real job. And I worked as a computer programmer uh, and while I was going to seminary and so on. During those 20 years, and even before that, I worked since I was a kid. Uh, I worked for a couple of years uh, late in high school and my first few years of college at a Murray's Auto Store, which is now O'Reilly's. So I, I did that. So... I've worked in the workaday world and had a chance to interact then with people in the workaday world and try to be a witness for Christ in those settings. And as I would talk to people, they would ask all kinds of questions. And I, over those years, was making uh, notes of the kinds of questions people asked. I did my best to answer them. But the things you see on here are just a sampling of the questions people ask. So what's the difference between a Baptist and a Presbyterian and a Methodist and a Catholic? Because it's all confusing, right? So I get that question. You may have gotten that question as well. So I figured we'll do a we'll do a class on that. What's the difference? What's the difference between Christianity and Islam? People wanted to definitely know about Islam in the last many years, and Hinduism and Judaism and all of that. So we did one on what's the difference between world religions? Where'd the Bible come from? You know, how do we get the Bible? Isn't the Bible just you know hopelessly obscure now because you got the original written and then we're here? thousands of years later and it's gone from one translation to another translation to another translation by the time it gets to us we don't have the original meaning that's the way that's what people think 
with regard to how the Bible came to us. It's false. You know, we don't have a series of translations and then we're on the tail end of that. Rather, we are one translation removed from the original Bible. We've got Greek and Hebrew, and we translate into English. But that's helpful for people to know. It's helpful for people to understand that. We've got these manuscripts and all of that. And so that's why we have a why you can trust the Bible class, the origin and uniqueness. You know, what about, how can you be against abortion, but many Christians are okay with capital punishment? Aren't those contradictory? The short answer is no, because we uh, believe it's wrong to take innocent human life. You know, capital punishment, at least in theory, is not taking an innocent human life. Now I say in theory because sometimes that happens, unfortunately, in a fallen uh, criminal justice system. And so we deal with the ethical issues. You know, people have heard of 666, the mark of the beast. They've heard of Armageddon, all of that stuff. They kind of freak out about that. And they say, well, what does the Bible teach about, about all of that? And uh, so that is what, what's the world coming to, an examination of the Bible's teaching on end-time events. So those topics and others primarily have come from just questions people ask and we want to give answers to. That's what we do primarily in this hour uh, throughout, throughout the year. We take breaks like we're doing now for us to do the newcomer's orientation, to do our membership class, and for other classes to have breakout sessions as well. So let me take a moment to explain what I mean by that. Normally, when we're doing these outreach series, we have one adult class, second hour one. So it's three weeks from today, all of us will be in the auditorium together. Uh, and all the adults from 18 up are all in the auditorium. It's the only adult class we have. But what about specialized ministries for age groups, especially like college and career uh, age, age uh, young people? Because in that age, there are particular needs, there are kinds of decisions that they're having to make. Uh, it's important that they form the right kinds of friendships, all of that. So what we've determined is that we think it's best that we have ministries for those things, but not necessarily every week classes. You have a college and career ministry, but that doesn't necessarily mean an every week, 52 weeks a year college and career class. It includes classes, but not necessarily, not every week. Now, one of the reasons we don't want to do that every week is because we have a youth group, teen group. We've had a very good teen group. We've been blessed with that for years. Uh, and it's produced some of the young people that we have in our college and career group now. Uh, but for most of that time, you know, when kids grow up in church, you have Sunday school, you have children's church, then you have your teen classes, and they do most of what they do on their own. They're segregated from the adults. So all the way up through 18, in most of our churches, including ours, the young people don't interact a whole lot with the adults. Now I'm going to show you a way that we kind of force that on in a bit. But then when they get to be 18, we don't want that to just continue. We don't want to continue, you know, a kind of prolonged adolescence that goes on and they're not interacting with people more mature that they, that they need. So we don't set up a separate young adult class every week, but we do have a young adult ministry. Young adult ministry means they're getting together for events, fellowships together on a regular basis. And then they have their own breakout sessions from time to time to address in a teaching class format things that are of importance to them. So if you look at the top of page 14, 
That's what I'm saying at the very top there. In addition to the regular adult sessions each Sunday, where most, most of us are all in the auditorium together, we periodically offer breakout classes for targeted demographic groups, such as young adults, young married couples, and so on. And then I have a footnote noting that we do that very thing for our crossroads ministry. That's the young adult ministry. So that's why, that's the rationale behind it. That's why it's set up that way. Everybody's in the auditorium because we're doing this kind of outreach thing together. We hope that these topics that we cover will be a benefit to you directly, but it's kind of a congregational way, a collective way for us to work together to reach other people. But we also want to meet the needs of these demographic groups. We have ministries for that, but it doesn't mean every week classes. Okay? Is that clear? All right, so back on page 13 then. I skipped a, a couple of lines. I asked you to skip down. That's what happens with the adults during this hour normally throughout the year. But then under point A there, you see each Sunday at 11, we offer age-graded classes, infant through adult. So we have our elementary age, you know, you got nursery toddler, your elementary age uh, classes. Our children's curriculum is God-centered and parent-inclusive. So what we mean by that is that the teachers are instructed to make God the hero of all the stories. That's what we mean by God-centered. Because what happens is kids learn Bible stories and the heroes become the humans. So David defeats Goliath. Who's the hero? You know, David. But you know, the only reason David can do anything is because of David's God. So we want the kids to know God's the hero in this story. God's the hero in the Samson story. God's the hero when you know the Red Sea is parted. That's God doing all this. It's not Moses. It's not Daniel. When Daniel goes to the lion's den and he has all this courage and his three you know, friends with him, who's the hero? It's God. It's God delivering them. It's God giving them the courage. That's what we mean by God-centered. Parent inclusive means that the teachers are also instructed to communicate to the parents what it is they're teaching and to seek to provide some means to them to uh, to fortify that at, at home. Uh, otherwise, what happens is you've got the life of the home divorced from the life of the church. And too many parents have the false idea that the church will teach my kids about God. We got your kid a couple hours a week at best. If they come to our midweek program that starts back up in a few weeks, we got them for that. If they stay for Sunday school, second hour, we got them for that. Just a couple hours a week. The rest of the time, you're with them. They're with their friends, all of that. So we've got to team up. We got to, This is a partnership for us to do this. So we want you to have some ideas to what we're doing and give you some ways to uh, fortify that at home. That's the elementary age kids. When a child gets to middle school, sixth grade, they're in the high-impact ministry. And that focuses on the development of a biblical worldview. So they start now, beginning at middle school and especially through high school, they start talking about subjects like apologetics, how to defend what it is they believe. Origins, because they're in school being taught something different than what the Bible teaches. So we need to, to help them with that. Ethics, they're all taught and discussed in order to integrate the truth with everyday life. So here's our philosophy with that. That as a, if a, we get a child from birth through up to middle school, then when they go through our elementary program, 
They will come out of that knowing the Bible story. They will know the characters of the Bible. They'll know who Jesus is and what he did. Hopefully they'll have come to faith in Christ by that time. So they'll have that. But now, in middle school and into high school, they're now moving out into life more and more on their own. So everything has pretty much been provided to them and fed to them up to this point. But now they're going to encounter ideas and propositions, more and more of them, junior high and up, that are contrary to what they've been taught. So they need to be able to defend that. Otherwise, they just go into this, they know a bunch of Bible stuff, but they don't know how to make application of all that Bible stuff to what they're confronting right now. So we've emphasized that. We've emphasized that in our teen ministry for years. And by God's grace, to great effect, great effect, our young adults can defend the faith really well. They know what they believe, and they believe it themselves. Which is the other reason that's really important. Because, you know, with everything being spoon-fed to you, the faith that you have as a kid can really just be the faith of your parents. But now you're going you're gonna, to, at some point, you're going to have to own that yourself. And you're going to have to be able to then articulate it and defend it. And if a kid's equipped to do that, they can then grow up, go to college. They can go to whatever college, and they can take it on. And our young people, can you tell I'm pretty proud of them? They're, uh, they, they do that. All right, we've got that then. We've got Discovering God, our Sunday school hour. That's our second hour. We have it second hour, I told you a couple weeks ago, so that the people we're inviting to those <laughs> classes can sleep in. And so we have worship first and then Discovering God. Next page, page 14. We also have something called Growth Partners. And Growth Partners, you see there, is one-to-one. And it is uh, a ministry where we pair a man with a man, woman with a woman. And this is something that folks just uh, register for. It's not, a, it's not a class. It's just you meeting with another person on a regular basis. So people let us know that they want a Growth Partner, and we match them with a, a Growth Partner. Now, how does the ministry go? We give a booklet of material uh, to each partner, and it's very simple. The first, at least, rung of growth partners is very straightforward, very simple. It is in that booklet of material, You each week of your partnership, and I'll tell you how long it goes in a minute, but each week of your partnership that you meet, the two of you will have done several things that are in the notebook. Week one you've got certain passages of the Bible to read. So you're just learning the, reading the Bible. And then you've got a, a verse, a key verse in the Bible to memorize. So you start to memorize some scripture. Uh, you've got some things given to you in the notebook to pray about because we're trying to help people learn to begin praying. So learn, learning to read the Bible, memorizing some key verses in the Bible, here's some stuff to pray about, because people who are new to it go, I don't know, what do I do? What do I pray about? Here's, we'll help you with that. There it is. Pray that. Okay. And you read a chapter out of a book. For the men, we use a book called The Measure of a Man. And that book has 20 chapters to it. It takes the 20 attributes that are given for a mature Christian man in Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3. And it goes through each one of those. Measure of a man. Read a chapter out of that. And then you meet. 
Now you meet once a week or once every other week. We don't want it to be any less frequent than every other week because we want it to get done within a year. So it takes, if you meet every week, about six months for the partnership to be completed because you're reading those 20 chapters, uh, one a week. If you meet every other week, it'll take you about a year. And during that six months or during that year, you've developed a friendship with someone that even after your growth partnership is over, you've still got a spiritual spiritual friend um, that you can uh, that you can be in contact with and sharpen each other uh, over the years. Now that's the very first level. We got other levels of that as well. So when people are done with that, they tell us, "Yeah, I'd like to do a, I'd like to do that again with somebody and kind of be a mentor to somebody." Would you, would you do the same thing with somebody less mature than you? Or you can go to the next level, and we've got some other another booklet for you to, to go to. The men do Measure of a Man. The women do a book called A Woman After God's Own Heart by Elizabeth George. Same idea. It's got these chapters in it. You read a chapter, and you discuss it together. So many of the friendships in our church have been developed through stuff like this. Uh, I'm going to talk about another ministry that we have in a little bit, community groups. Those are our home groups. But that's another way that key way that people get to know each other and can fortify each other in their spiritual walk. Uh, I never cease to be amazed. I tell this to Kim a lot. I go, you know, I was asking these two people. I see them hanging out with each other. I ran into them at the store or whatever. And I say, how do you guys know each other? I mean, I know we go to the same church. (laughs) But I just didn't know what connected them. And very often they say we were growth partners two years ago. Or we were in the same home group a few years ago. And so they've remained friends through all of that. So you've got a lot of that. And I urge you, if you decide then that CBC is the place for you, to take advantage of those relational connections because they're extremely important. Okay. All right, next, page 14, Community Institute, another way to help people learn about God. That's our midweek program that's starting up on September the 22nd. And you've heard us announcing that we've got three classes this semester, Master Plan for Life, Gospel of John, and the Doctrine of Eschatology, that is the Doctrine of the Future, according to the Bible, those three classes. And you can choose what you want. Now, we say in the paragraph here that we have these these foundational courses, middle of that paragraph, How to Get the Most Out of Your Bible, and Master Plan for Life are the foundational courses for Community Institute. So what we're saying there is we want everybody to take those. We've urged, for almost 20 years now, we've urged everybody who comes in, take those first. And the reason is, uh, do you remember I talked last week under the seven vital signs of a healthy church? One of those was dynamic discipleship. And I mentioned that having an intentional track for people to go through is very helpful. And that all things being equal, in three to five years, you can get somebody, we think, from being a new believer to being grounded in their faith so that they can continue to grow. Well, we can do that in that concentrated period of time because we offer this pathway. And the pathway begins by taking these foundational courses. They're foundational because the one, how to get the most out of your Bible, teaches you how to get around in your Bible. It's divided into three parts. An overview of the Bible, how to interpret the Bible, and then how to apply the Bible. So in one semester, we're able to to give you all of that, get you grounded in the Bible. 
Otherwise, it'll be what I said last week. It'll be osmosis. You'll figure out how to get around in the Bible, maybe on your own, by hearing other people talk about it, by continuing on Sunday mornings to go to the table of contents at the beginning, find out what page Romans is on, then go to Romans. But we want you to be able to find that stuff, know the Bible as sort of second nature. This helps you get started with that. Okay? Then the class, the other foundational class that I'll be teaching three weeks from, uh, in three weeks, September 22nd, is Master Plan for Life. And that one is a systematic theology. That is, it takes the doctrines that normally uh, go under the headings of theology, the doctrine of God, doctrine of the Bible, doctrine of humanity and sin, doctrine of Christ, doctrine of salvation, doctrine of the church, which has a whole bunch of stuff related to it, doctrine of the end, all of that in one class. So that is a 28-week uh, course called Master Plan for Life. So that covers two semesters. We'll start it uh, in a few weeks, and then it'll go into next year, and through April of next year. Okay? We've got a big fat notebook that we give to you for that. That notebook is a notebook that myself and three other pastors wrote 30 years ago. 30 years ago. I can't believe it. But it's this, it's this notebook that's got all that stuff in it. And if you take those two classes, you get in those two classes in just a relatively short period of time what if you just attend church and you don't have an intentional track, it would take you years to get. So we try to develop this pathway for you to get jump-started in your understanding of the Bible and therefore your, your growth in the Lord. Okay? All right, so that's a Community Institute. That's our midweek program and the foundational classes for it. And then there's our worship service, of course, is another means by which you learn about God. Just like we were learning about sanctification today from Romans 6, every week when we open God's Word, uh, we're teaching God's truth to people. So our first objective is to help people learn about God. Then the second one is to love God and others. Bottom of page 14. The most often used metaphor for the church in Scripture is a family. In fact, our name, community, was chosen in part to reflect that truth. And our ministry structures designed to offer venues in which the one another commands of the Bible can be carried out and by which the love that all men will know that you're my disciples can be fostered. All right, so let me unpack that for a little bit. I say our name, community, was chosen. Have you ever thought about that? How do, how do churches like choose their name? You know, I mean, there's, all, there's been a whole thing for a few decades now to choose like a cool name. The river, you know, or whatever, the river. Okay. whatever, the journey. Uh, and so how do you choose a name? Uh, because most of us just see churches. They've been there for whatever length of time. They have whatever name they have. You know, a lot of times it's first. So it just means we got here first. That's all it means. You know, first Baptist church was the first Baptist church in Trenton or Riverview or whatever. So almost every town has a first in Philadelphia, there is a, a historic and really cool church that's had some great, well-known pastors over the decades. Tenth Presbyterian in Philadelphia. Uh, there's a great Baptist church in Minneapolis that is the fourth Baptist church of, of Minneapolis. You know, if I'm not first, I'm not doing second or third, man. I'm just, you know, I'm just choosing a different name. 
I used to go to these you know men's retreats you know annually, and you would have lots of different churches that would converge at this camp place, and you would see a guy you know once a year at the thing, but then you get there again, you forget, I'm trying to remember his name, I'm trying to remember what church it is, and I determined that hey, if I can't remember what church the guy's from, if I say first or Calvary. I've got a 50-50 shot. <laughs> That's right. So we had the chance, though, to choose our name. We started the church 20 years ago, and as we thought about it, what do we want to emphasize with this? And community was chosen on purpose for this relational idea. Community within the church itself. But also, we want to be an integral part of the community, too. And, in fact... Um, take a look, just hold your finger here and look at the cover. And if you look down at the bottom, you see our, our logo there. This has been our logo for 20 years. And you, you see that you got a church in the middle, and then you got you know a, sort of a farmhouse, and then you got the, the clock, you know, the city clock, and the, the, that, that was all designed to communicate that very idea that we want to be a part of the community at large. So there's community within the church and there's community then outside of the church and we want to be a part of, of all of that. I say here that we chose our name then in large part for that reason and we've structured our ministry so that the one another commands of the Bible can be carried out. Dr. Combs alluded to Hebrews chapter 10 today, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 where he said one of the means of grace is each other to help us grow. Hebrews 10.25 is that one that pastors love to use to beat on people to be faithful in church attendance. It says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So we use that and we say, don't forsake and you should be faithful and you should be at church every week and all that's true. But it gives the reason. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but rather encourage one another. There's one of those one another's. So the idea is one of the important reasons that we come together is for us to foster these one another relationships. The Bible is a really relational book. God's a relational God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit had fellowship with each other from eternity past. Love between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit from eternity past. And he made people for whom it is not good that they be alone. You remember that? We were made to be social people, relational people. You find it throughout the Bible. New Testament has these one another, forgive one another, accept one another, serve one another, pray for one another, love one another. It goes on and on. And you can't do any of the one another stuff unless you're around one another. So the Lone Ranger Christian idea is foreign to the New Testament. The idea that it's just me and Jesus in the garden having our time together, you know. There's a song, an old song that says that I walk in the garden alone. And, you know, otherwise it's a good song. If that's your favorite hymn, I'm not trying to diss on you. But the alone part is, no, we're not alone. We're together. And so we try to structure the ministry in a way that encourages that. The reason we just had bagels and coffee and all that was not that strategic. Really. We want people, we want to force people into the lobby to have to hang out with each other. So let me say as well, if you decide to hang around, then I hope you will. When we do that, go in the lobby, 
If you don't like coffee, we got water, we got juice, we got, okay, tea. If you don't want anything, that's okay. Put your body in the lobby. <laughs> Every now and then, I'll walk through the auditorium while that's going on, and there'll be you know, a smattering of people kind of sitting, and I say, hey, what's going on? Beat it. Get out in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> because if you don't do that, you come in, you sit down, you hear the stuff, you do the thing, and you leave. And that's what too many people do with regard to church. One another is really important. Top of page 15. We offer these opportunities to help us love God. Worship was under learn, but it's also under love because it's a time for us to express our love for God in song and in response to his self-disclosure and his word. But I mentioned our community groups. Community groups are the main ministry that we have for people to foster these loving relationships. They meet in homes. On Sunday evenings, we have three things in those meetings. We have refreshments, we have a discussion time, and then we have prayer. Now, that's it, those three things. And really what we're mainly trying to do is get people in the same space together over a long enough period of time where they can get to know each other, get to know uh, about each other's lives, pray together so we know some of the burdens that are going on in their lives, and develop bonds out of that. So these groups meet for two years. You've heard us say that we are in open enrollment for those because we just completed two years. So every two years, we take about six weeks. We have open enrollment. You tell us you want to be a part of it, and then we will put you in a group. That's going to start up again October the 3rd. The first night of the new groups is October 3rd. They meet the first and third Sundays of the month. So we'll meet on the 3rd, then we'll meet again on October 17th, and then we'll meet the first and third of uh, November, and you'll do that for two years. And you'll do that through the summer as, as well, okay? I encourage you to do that uh, for the reasons I've given. When you come to one of those groups, three things will happen. Everybody's encouraged to bring a cheap uh, snack. So when I say cheap, I mean like chips and salsa. And you don't have to make anything, so we don't make it hard for people, okay? Now, sometimes you get people who say, you know what, I was watching the Food Network and I wanted to cook something, and so they bring it for everybody. I mean, that's all fine, but we don't want to make it a burden. Everybody just brings something uh, as a snack. It's not dinner, it's a snack. But the first half hour or so is just that. You're just chatting with each other. But then the leader of the group pulls the group together, and then we have a discussion time. And what are you discussing? When you go to the group, you're given a sheet that has questions on the front side of it. Those questions are based upon the sermon that was preached the week before. So based on the sermon the week before, we now have four or five application questions for you to discuss in the group together. And on the back side of that page is a prayer list. It's our church's prayer list. So the group will take prayer requests and they'll pray about some of the things that are on the church's prayer list, pray about some of the things that have been given from the group, and you have a time of prayer together. So you have refreshment fellowship time, you have this applicational discussion time, and then you have a prayer time. Those are roughly about a half hour each, though the discussion usually goes a bit longer than that. But the whole thing is about an hour and a half. Most of the groups start at 6 o'clock, but... Uh, some of the groups start at 5 because you've got people in the group who get up especially early or they got kids that have got to get up, whatever. So we've got 5 o'clock groups as, as well.
cafe community I just mentioned, that's what we call the refreshment time in the lobby. Community life is our full calendar of events. We just call it community life. And we have lots of events that are designed, again, to get people together. Uh, you know, we've got our celebration dinner coming up in one month. Then just a couple weeks after that, we've got our annual bonfire and hayride, which you should not miss because it's always a great, that's always a great time. But throughout the year, we have these kinds of events, okay? So learn, there's love, and then live. Help people live for his purpose. And living for his purpose falls into two major categories. What is God's purpose for us? One, for us to be his ambassadors, his witnesses in his world. So evangelism is one of the things that if we're going to live for his purpose that we need to each seek to do. And then the other one is to use the gifts and abilities that he's given to us to serve. So to witness and to serve is living for his, is what we mean by living for his purpose. So we offer witnessing opportunities. Baptism itself, Dr. Combs alluded to in the first hour, have you been to one of our baptisms? It's a joyful time and all that. The next one's November the 14th, November the 14th. And if you can come to that, please do. If you need to be baptized, please do. We'll, uh, we can talk about that. I'll tell you about what you need to do for baptism at the end of next week if you need to be baptized. But at our baptisms, we have the baptism itself. We do it on a Sunday evening, but we, uh, we also have then a full-on a full dinner after that. We call it a baptism celebration because it is the joyful time that he talked about. Somebody's given their life to the Lord. They're publicly saying, I belong to Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm being raised to a new life symbolically in the waters of baptism. So we have this dinner. Now, how does that become a witnessing opportunity? Because we encourage the people being baptized to bring friends and family to their baptism. And then we have this dinner celebration. So we have people in our church who the first time they ever came to our church, they came to somebody else's baptism celebration. Because remember, maybe some of you have grown up hearing this, what we say about baptism is that it is a public testimony to your profession of faith. Well, if it, but a lot of times the only people we're testifying it to are other Christians. So that's good. It's encouraging to us other Christians, but let's also testify to that to non-Christians. Use it as an evangelistic opportunity, and that's what we, that's what we do. So the person getting baptized gets an invitation, personalized, with your name on it. So it says, you know, Ken Brown invites you to celebrate his baptism on, gives the date and the time, at, all of that. And then it says there'll be a dinner to, to follow. and has a little map on it. Just to make it convenient, hand that to your coworkers, your friends, your family, and have them come. All right. Witnessing opportunities. Discovering God. So this second hour class, we not only send a mailer to the community, we create invitations. So if you're on our mailing list here within the next week or so, you're going to receive an email with a PDF attachment that is an invite to that series so that you can then just forward it and say, hey, we're doing this series. It'd be great if you you could come. We'll have printed versions as well on our information center desk. You can grab those and you can physically give some out as well. Those home groups, uh, from time to time we do evangelistic home groups. So the idea is you have a, a home where you're going to go through some evangelistic material we make that known, and if somebody has someone they've been witnessing to at work, a family member, they can invite them to that. 
and people hear the gospel over a few weeks on that. And then we got a bunch of outreach events we do. Training provided. Master Plan for Life has a section on um, on evangelism. That's that systematic theology I told you about. Turn to page 16, if you would. I said that living for his purpose is two major things. It's evangelism and it's serving. And so at our church, we offer service opportunities for everyone. And we divide service opportunities into uh, frontline ministries, for lack of a better term, and then support ministries. One of the problems that we've had in our churches is, is that we define service almost exclusively as being involved in a frontline ministry. By that I mean a, an upfront, visible ministry. So you hear pastors then talk about, hey, you sh- you've, everybody's been gifted by the Holy Spirit to serve. You need to serve somewhere. But we don't really have a structure that allows lots of places for people to serve. And if you're not a teacher, you know, if you're not one, of, or you're not a singer, if you're not a preacher, you're not some frontline ministry. Then people go, what? What can I do? I mean, for teaching, for most people, you know, they say, what is it? The things people fear the most, you know, are death and getting up in front of people <laughs> and talking. And that's true for a lot of people. So as a result of that, you wind up with a lot of people who might otherwise serve, but they are spectators in the church because they don't have a place to plug in. The truth of the matter is, for any organization, including the church as an organization, there are way more behind-the-scenes, non-frontline support ministry, way more of those that need to be done. And you need people who are faithful to do that and have the ability to do that and so we make it a point to try to plug everybody into ministry. When I say everybody, I mean everybody. Okay? Um, I forget, the greeting ministry has something like 30 people. They rotate. They rotate the doors they're at. They rotate the weeks they do it. But it's got a, you know, a bunch of people. But that's a really important thing, to have smiling faces you know, when people come into the, uh, the church. So you see that list of bulleted different things that... We need administrative kinds of things, helping us with assimilation, communication, facilities, finance, hospitality. On it, on it goes. And there are more. There are a lot more than that. If you decide to join our church, then uh, you will attend our membership 101 class in, in a few months, and that's a four-week class like this. And in that class, you will be given a, a form to fill out that is that you indicate your passions, your abilities, your experiences. It's not hard to fill out, but it just tells us what you're, how God has wired you. And then, based upon how God has wired you, we try to match you to something, area of service in the, in the ministry. Now, I'll just say this. Sometimes the, very, you know, the thing you're wired for, we just don't have going on at that, that time, or uh, we don't need that at the moment. We might need something else that you can do. Uh, but we try to match a round peg to a round hole. Uh, but we ask everybody to be willing to serve wherever they can and wherever needed. But that's why we have this kind of process to do that. Okay? Page 17, then, is the end of this lesson. And this is the chart that I alluded to two weeks ago. And in this chart, it pretty much embodies everything I just said. 
So at the top, you've got our mission statement, help people learn about God, love Him and others, live for His purpose. How is that carried out? Well, the left side, you see, is the learn about God piece. And you've got, how does somebody come into our church? Well, they join by membership or they join by being baptized. When you're baptized, you're joining the church. Uh, if you've already been baptized, and I'll explain what baptism is next week, but if you've already been baptized, well, then you join the church by uh, your testimony of salvation. And then you take our you take our membership 101 class. I mentioned that just a bit ago. But we in the middle there, you see it's in green and gray. Those are those two foundational classes. We encourage everybody to take how to get the most out of your Bible, master plan for life. So those are offered alternately every fall. This fall, starting in September, it's Master Plan for Life. Next fall, it'll be how to get the most out of your Bible. And I do both of those. I teach both of those midweek. Every year I'm teaching one of them. And so it's always available as new people come in for them to get into the stream. Growth Partners, that's that one-on-one -on -one ministry I talked about. And then Community Institute, that's our midweek program, just electives. So the Gospel of John that we're teaching, uh, doctrine of eschatology that we're teaching so that you can continue to grow and uh, by learning of the Lord. Then there's the love portions, love God and love others, loving God primarily through worship, loving others through our community groups, living for his purpose, our community service ministry is what places you in ministry. Okay? There it is in a nutshell. Those that right there, that one page comprises the core of our ministry. Now, you noticed when the announcements go on, there's a lot more than that. But that other stuff is all supplemental. It's ancillary. It's not unimportant. I don't mean that. But if you're going to do anything, if you need to figure out your time schedule for anything, do these things. This is the core. The other stuff, then, is available to you to help you, like Heart to Heart. My wife heads up Heart to Heart, the women's second and fourth Mondays of the month. That's a great ministry for women. It's a great time for women to get together in their small group that they have as part of that on Monday nights. It's great. And if you can go to that, go to it. But you're not going to find us you know, beating on that because it's a supplemental ministry. You take it as you, as you need it and as you are able to take it. Same thing for our men's ministry. Just got all sorts of ministries like that that are supplemental, but this is the core of, of what we do. Any questions? Next week, a committed church. 